thank you for joining me, Stanley, on this Saturday. Um, sorry that I missed you guys last week. Uh, we had a crazy busy weekend. We had a bunch of stuff going on, and we somehow threw in the, the time and effort to go buy a uh, used pop-up camper. So um, we're, we're very excited about that and the chances that we'll get to relax and enjoy the outdoors. Um, but it did create just an absolutely crazy weekend, and I didn't get a chance to record anything. So um, I'm sorry about that, but we are back. And uh, I'll have plenty of time. I've got every week for now through whenever to uh, record some thoughts that I've had lately. But this week, things kind of took a different turn. I learned that uh, the, the head of the John Wesley Honors College at Indiana Wesleyan, um, which I graduated from, uh, was very influenced by, um, he passed away very unexpectedly. And I thought it would be good to take a bit of time here to mention a few of the things that he taught me. Um, his name was Dr. David Riggs. He was... Um, an incredible scholar. I mean, this is a an incredible teacher, very smart man. He led the Honors College to be um, a really great experience for everyone who went through it. Um, it became so much more than just kind of an alternate, slightly harder, but slightly more prestigious part of Indiana Wesleyan. It really became kind of an alternative community that uh, brought the students together, uh, but also helped give them newer and better perspectives on um, what learning was. It, it changed a lot. I'm so grateful for my opportunity to be part of it. And I was so sad to hear that he had passed away unexpectedly. Um, so I wanted to share a few thoughts. Um, and one of the first things, I guess the, the thing that makes it the easiest to uh, start all of this is that through Dr. Riggs, uh, the classes that he taught, the way that the John Wesley Honors College really did um, education, I learned how to look at different viewpoints and find what was good in them and take these thoughts that maybe I don't fully agree with, but I could tell that they are good and true thoughts um, and use them in my thinking and allow me to think better about God and about the world, even if I don't agree with it. Um, it's called uh, generous reading but it, it's very easy. We do this all the time nowadays. Um, it, it's just so common. As soon as you see who something is by, as soon as you see who is saying something, you instantly shut down. Um, or, or as soon as you hear that they are going to say something that you don't like, you, we just shut down. We will very quickly jump to, well, I don't agree with you, so you have nothing to tell me. 
Um, it could be stuff about the news. You don't agree with their political perspective, so you have nothing to tell me. I don't agree with what you're going to say here, so you have nothing to tell me. Could be about religion. Um, it could just be, you know, that there's a Christian author who you don't like, and so instead of trying to hear what they have to say, you just go, oh, well, you believe this, and I don't agree with that, so you can't tell me anything about Jesus. You can't tell me anything about Christianity. But Dr. Riggs really instilled in all of us that even if we're going to read people who we don't agree with, there is something to be gained from it. There's something to hear from those different perspectives. You can read someone that you won't agree with and at the end of the day say, hey, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of bad that's here. But listen to this. This is so good. Or, or you can say, you know what? I never would have been able to think about this issue this way. And I don't agree with where they ended. But this really helped me start thinking. Or, or you can say, hey, you know, I think they took a few steps in their thought that just went too far. Or they went the wrong way. But, but they really planted something that I can think through and, and I think I'll I'll be able to think better and I'll be able to see things better because of what they've said. And to always be looking for that, no matter who it is that we're listening to, what it is that we're reading, saying, I'm going to try to listen generously. That's something that Dr. Riggs taught me, and I think that's something that a lot of us really need to hear. And I think it's something that will play a role in uh, two of the other main things that I want to present today. So I wanted to get that out there first. Listen generously. Even if you're not going to agree in the end, listen generously. You'll probably learn something. Your thinking will be better. You will be able to think so much clearer just because you took the time to really listen. Now, one of Dr. Riggs' big focuses, at least when I was in the Honors College, was on postmodern thought. And this is where that generous reading really comes into play because if if you're listening to this, uh, if, if you're anything like me, um, if you're part of m more conservative Christianity, even if you, you're not really conservative, but uh, you, you're not really liberal either, postmodernism is a touchy subject. Right? It's, it's this thought that we're all conditioned and so access to objective truth is at best limited and at worst, there just isn't any objective truth. You hear a lot about relativism. Well, that's your truth. Well, that's what you think. And definitely when taken to its extremes, postmodernism is just pointless it's absolutely meaningless when taken to those extremes. But Dr. Riggs brought 
to the honors college, brought to the students, brought to myself, a way to look at postmodernism that basically was just a reminder that we're not God. Sometimes in our modernist thinking, we assume we have complete access to absolute truth. That we can just look at an issue and the things that we see there are just objectively what's there. And that there is nothing conditioning our thinking. There is nothing that's conditioning our perspectives. Right? We, we look at ourselves as blank slates. And that we will just look at an issue and come up with truth the way it is. Or we'll say, you know, that we could just crack open a Bible, read the words there, boom, we're going to know what's true. And, you know, maybe we'll nuance that a little bit by saying, yeah, well, we need to understand the context of the Bible to know what's true. But we ignore that we have our own contexts. And this is what postmodernism does so well. It points out all of the contexts that we have that change our thinking, that shape us and make us a bit different. So you have your language. Our languages actually change the way we think. Um, You know, the words that you have available for certain thoughts, words that you don't have available. If you begin to learn some new words or phrases to describe something, it, it both is helpful, but it also changes you and your thinking. Your language will alter how you think because there are different words that can be used. One of the big Christian examples is love. We throw out the word love and it means a bunch of different things depending on what we're trying to say. But in other languages, there are multiple words for love. And so they are able to express things through their words that we just can't. And this is true no matter what language. It's not just because the Bible's in an ancient language and, you know, oh, well, if you're an English speaker and you try to talk to a Spanish speaker, then, you know, that, that's going to be fine. No, there are differences in these languages. And those differences change some of the ways that you think. Your background experiences will change how you think. There will be some thoughts that just will not resonate with you because of the experiences that you've had. And it it can impact the way that we look at the Bible again. Um, an example that I was uh, reminded of with this is in the parable of the prodigal son. If you ask someone, what is the problem? What, what was the problem with the prodigal son? What, how did they end up with nothing? People in the United States will say he wasted it all. on He squandered it all on lavish living. He, he lived it up, he blew his money, and he didn't have anything. But people in other parts of the world will point to a famine. Which is also in the text. 
And people in other parts of the world will point out, well, no one was willing to help him, which is also in the text, which led to the prodigal son selling himself into slavery. All of them did. But based on your perspective, you will see it differently. As a, as a Christian, I, I do believe there's absolute truth. There's absolute truth in the person of Jesus. As we are approaching Jesus, as we're approaching God, we can gain some access to absolute truth, but we are not objective absolute beings. And postmodernism points this out. And, and Dr. Riggs helped point this out in a way that is so helpful, not throwing absolute truth out not saying, well, everything's relative. But pointing out, you are not objective. We are subjective beings. And there are a lot of things that shift the way we approach objective truth. And we should pursue objective truth with all that we have. But the only way that we can get there is by acknowledging that our subjective experience and subjective reasoning will only take us so far. And that at some point, we need to acknowledge that objective truth is not inside of us, it's outside of us, and we approach it with humility, and we approach it understanding that people from other subjective experiences might approach it differently. And it could take a generous reading, going back to the first part, it could take a generous reading to ever get closer to the objective truth. But but it is there. Dr. Riggs was pretty clear that it was there. He wouldn't have gone to the extremes of relativism. But I'm very grateful. It's definitely made me think better by hearing Dr. Riggs' postmodern critique. It's made me think in ways that help me get closer to the truth. And I'm so grateful for Dr. Riggs for that. I don't think I could close any talk about Dr. Riggs and about the John Wesley Honors College without talking about Plato's Allegory of the Cave. If anyone from the Honors College ends up hearing this episode, they're going to groan or, or, or cheer because they have that on the, you know, Honors College bingo card. Um, it, it was one of the things that was always coming up. We, we even make jokes, you know, graduating from the Honors College. Like, oh, we finally escaped the cave because it was brought up so often. Uh, for, for those who don't know what Plato's allegory of the cave is, um, Plato described a scene where there are people who are in chains inside a cave and they are only able to see shadows of different things. There's a bonfire behind them. So you have people sitting in a cave 
there is a fire behind them. So it's projecting light out in front of them. And the only things that they can see are shadows of objects that pass between them and the fire. And one day, someone breaks free of their chains, and they're able to actually turn around and they can see uh, the different objects that are, that are there. They are able to see the, the images that get passed in front of the fire. And then finally, one day, they leave the cave. They're blinded by the sun. But then they look out, and you know, they might have been shown a little diagram of a tree or something. Well, now they look and there's a tree. They might have been shown, you know, a, a little diagram of a chair. And they, they walk into town and, oh my goodness, there's a chair. They're shown a diagram of a house and, oh my goodness, they see the house. And Plato used this allegory to describe the process of gaining wisdom and understanding. That most of us in this world, all we get are these passing shadows of knowledge. We're not even seeing anything that's remotely real. And there's, there's a small glimmer of access to the truth. I mean, it, it is the shadow of an image of the real thing, but it, it's very separated from reality. But then you pursue learning. You pursue understanding. Right? Your, your chains get loosened and you are able to turn. But the first things that you learn, you're not capable. If, if you just went from I see a shadow to I see a tree, you might not recognize the tree. Because it's not going to cast a similar shadow. So the first things that you learn are simplified versions of the real thing. But eventually you go deeper. Right? You move further away from the cave. And when you first glimpse reality as it actually is, it can be blinding. It can be hard. There, there are moments in education where you learn something and it's like your entire world has been turned upside down. But you persevere because you've seen reality as it actually is. And it's so much more beautiful. Right? The, the shadow, I mean, there's, there's no color. There's barely any light. The shadow has a, almost no detail. Then you turn, you see the, a bit more of the truth and I mean, there's some more detail. There's nothing nice and beautiful and good about this necessarily. You're just like, oh, okay, well, that's actually what I was seeing. Okay. Then you come to the sun and you see the real things as they actually are. It takes your breath away. The beauty of an amazing sunset. Like driving through the trees in autumn and you see all of their colors displayed. The incredible beauty that is there for us when we really grasp knowledge. This is the allegory of the cave. And it continues on where when you have come to that understanding, right, you've, 
you've left the cave, you've gained real knowledge, what, what you should do, what our, our goal is, is that hopefully we, we've, we've glimpsed some of that knowledge and stuff, and then you go and you want to go back to the cave so that you can free other people and try to help show them the truth. That was definitely Dr. Riggs for me. Right, Dr. Riggs had, had learned the truth of a generous reading, and I, I think in some ways it's something I've been predisposed to. I've always tried to read a lot, uh, learn a lot, and I've always been a little bit predisposed to saying, okay, well, yeah, I, I can see where they're coming from, and, and taking some pieces from a bunch of different things. But this was really something instilled to me by Dr. Riggs in the Honors College. Postmodern thought definitely was never there before Dr. Riggs. He instilled it in me. He said, hey, this, this is something I found true. It's something that's helped open my eyes. It's helped remove me more from the cave. I've, I've seen things more clearly now, and he showed it to so many. Dr. Riggs, just joy. I'll, I'll never forget the... Um, the classes I had with Dr. Riggs, the way I was able to interact with him. Um, I mean, Dr. Riggs, for those who didn't know him, he was built like a linebacker. Oh my goodness, this guy was big and muscular, and yet he had the most gentle voice. He had a kind, gentle voice. He had a kind, gentle presence. And he cared. And he was able to combine this with an incredible mind to be an incredible teacher. And I want to close this with a, a word, I guess, kind of eulogy for Dr. Riggs. I'm not sure what to call this, but I'm grateful to Dr. Riggs because whatever stage I'm at in leaving that cave is because of him. It is largely because of him, because of him, the classes I had with him, the classes that I had within the John Wesley Honors College. Um, I owe an incredible debt of gratitude to them for my thinking that I will probably never be able to repay, although I think the Honors College would probably look at it and saying that just my learning and attempting to grow closer to God is repayment enough. I'm so grateful to Dr. Riggs for helping lead me further out of the cave. But the truth is, this allegory of the cave it can be applied to us as Christians. Paul kind of does in his own way. Because Paul, in 1 Corinthians, talks about how right now we see through a glass darkly. It's part of Christian belief that right now as we are on this earth, we, we do not see things perfectly. We don't see things clearly. We are inside that cave trying to grasp reality and um, with, with what Paul was referring to, I think 
think he's really getting at the fact like we we don't understand God and, and Jesus perfectly in this life. We are dead spiritually. We can only see through a glass darkly. But Jesus, part of his work is that he came and he loosened our chains. We are now able to see not just these passing shadows of truth, but we're able to get some glimpse of the truth. We can see the objects as they are being moved about inside the cave. And some of us understand that better than others. Some of us accept this understanding better than others. But I think in this life, maybe that's as far as we go. But just recently, Dr. Riggs passed away. And in that moment, he became alive spiritually. In that moment, he finally left the cave. As Paul says, that we'll see him as he is. Then we will know even as we are fully known. Dr. Riggs is not just experiencing Jesus in a subjective way anymore. Dr. Riggs is not just experiencing Jesus with a little bit of our mind that can somehow grasp these objects that are passing in front of us. Dr. Riggs is fully experiencing Jesus in all of his glory and beauty and splendor. And someday we will get that opportunity too. And someday we will experience Jesus in beauty and splendor, not not just in this very disembodied way, but in the fullness of who we are, because the Bible talks about how there will be a day where everyone, whether we've died or whether that day comes before our death, we will all gain our spiritual resurrected bodies and will be made alive in body and spirit again. Dr. Riggs is on the other side. We are living on bodily. He's living on in his spirit now and he can see more clearly. Dr. Riggs has escaped the cave. And I praise God for Dr. Riggs and all that he's meant for me. And I hope that this might have passed on a little bit of that to all of you. Until next week, God bless you. Goodbye.